We're starting a new series uh, today. We're going to be on this until the first part of next month. And I'm really excited about this. And it has had kind of evolved. I had planned something different for now back in, uh, back in December of last year. And then it's just kind of evolved. And I'm, I'm really excited about this. And we're going to be going through parts of Hebrews chapter 11. And it's one of my favorite passages. And a lot of times people refer to it as the hall of faith. And we're going to be looking at some of these these folks that the, that the New Testament writer of Hebrews looks back to the Old Testament characters and gives us examples of what it means to live by faith. Now, we here at Celebration Church, we talk a lot about knowing God better and trusting Him more. That's what, that is our purpose. That is why we exist. Where that's what we're wanting to happen over there in Theater 10 and in the two party rooms with the nursery. We want them to know God better so they can trust Him more. Ultimately... That is what a life of faith is about. We just tried to put it into words that where we could really get our teeth into it and really be able to try to live it. So faith is simply taking God at his word and living our lives trusting that God is trustworthy. This is why knowing God better and trusting him more is so vital. I tell you what, all of us at some point in our lives have put our trust in something that we found out was not trustworthy. And it can make us gun-shy in our lives, whether it was a relationship with somebody or whether it was something. And uh, my, uh, a lot of uh, people who were in my youth group back in the day can remember the, uh, a story from uh, when I was youth pastor and that I put my trust in something that wasn't trustworthy. And I had decided to, uh, we were going to have a zip line and we're going to fly in this guy over all the youth's heads and have him land on the stage. So like have it back there and have him fly in and land on the stage. And I just thought that was going to be so awesome. And uh, so we put the zip line in and I was working on uh, all the harnesses and cabling to have Dan Westland, who's like, you know, huge. He's like six foot five or something. Big old tall guy. And have him come off the foyer and fly in. Well, he's too tall. And he tried doing it the T-bar way. And he would like be standing on the ground about halfway through. It's just a little anticlimactic. And he couldn't pull his knees up enough. He was going to whack somebody. So then I was like, well, we need to just really superman you. We need to get you flat and straight. Well, I wanted the illusion to be good. So I went to Lowe's and I bought me some, some, some of that aircraft cable. I got the little thin stuff that's rated at 90 pounds. And so I'll hold 90 pounds. And I got two of them, one for each end. Okay? Dan weighed 160 pounds. No big deal. And so, you know, distributed over the two. In my mind, that's, you know, 180 pounds. No big deal. And uh, so I get him up there, and we have to put a speaker on top of the foyer. And he kind of jumps off, and he does it real timid, and he... Kind of, he honestly, he ends up in a ball. He ends up in this knotted up wad. His knees come up to his shoulders, and he's just hanging there. And I have to go get a ladder and get him down. And I'm like, Dan, you know, you're just doing this all wrong. I, you know, you, you just got to be a little more courageous. You got to be a little more bold in this thing. And I'll show you how to do it. Well, I weighed, I weighed about 180 pounds at that point. So I was like, okay, then we're still good. Well, I forgot about the laws of momentum. And uh, 
adds a little extra weight in there. And so I get myself in the harness and I get up on there. And I said, Dan, this is what you need to do. And I whoosh, I Superman, and I jump out there. And I'm going down the zip line just a little bit. And right when my weight really hits in the harness, man, the front one snaps. And I'm just a pendulum. And thank the Lord that it did not snap when I was like straight down. Because it was just concrete like, like this. And it comes all the way around. And I'm first looking at the ground. And the next thing I know, I'm looking at the ceiling. And that's when the second one gives way. And it pops. And I just drop about 8 or 10 feet flat on my back. Pow. Now my wife had already been getting on to me about using some wisdom, not doing stupid stuff. And, uh, and so she did not want to raise our children alone. And uh, she always tells me I don't have enough life insurance. I don't care how much I have. It's just not enough. I'm not allowed to do stupid stuff. And uh, so I am laid there out and Dan Westland, who had been observing my technique, um, uh, of course decided he was not going to do it. And uh, thinks I'm dead, and I'm just laid there, and it hurts so bad. And then sure enough, who comes in? My wife never came up there. And who comes in? My wife comes in as I'm peeling myself up off the ground. Well, it was just a, a mess. But the problem was is I put my trust into something that wasn't trustworthy. And all of us have hit that at some point in life. Guess what? I have never thrown myself off onto a zip line ever again. I'd have no desire. If I do, I'm getting the biggest, fattest cable I can find. I don't care about special effects. I don't care if people can see it. I've just, I'm not going to. And so many of us have put our trust in something and have splatted and have landed flat on our face or our back or something in life, and it has made us gun-shy. And what, what part of what we're doing in our growth with Christ is learning. And He, God is so patient, and He'll ask us to trust Him with something to place our faith in Him in some area and allows us to grow. That's why I'm so grateful that we don't have to live this, this super Christian life right off the bat. Sometimes all we have, we just trust Him to, okay, I'm, uh, I'm going to be able to deal with this and, and not totally blow up. I'm not going to totally lose it here. And that's a big step of faith. And we allow the Holy Spirit to bring some restraint into our lives. All of us are at different places we're not all necessarily at the speak to this mountain and see it be moved although that's what the scriptures say and it is true we're growing in that place and that is what we're wanting to do through this series is see our faith grow now why is it so important well hebrews 11 1 tells us <clears throat> well hebrews 11 let me get back i'm getting out of order here hebrews 11 1 tells us what faith is faith is a <clears throat> faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. We do this all the time. We be, we're sure of something. We don't necessarily, haven't already seen the end results. We do it all the time. And faith is that being placed towards God. Of being sure that he is going to come through. That his word is true. And it's so important because Hebrews eleven six says. And without faith it's impossible to please God. It's not that it makes it a little more difficult or you're going to have to do this other thing, but you're going to have to do it a whole lot more. No, it's without faith. It's impossible. It's impossible to please God. Now, when the Bible says that it's impossible, it's impossible. When a God of all possibility 
says something is impossible, it's impossible. Faith is so vital to the way we, we work. Now, let's finish this verse. It says, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Now, I know that we have folks that come into Celebration Church and we want to be that kind of church that they're, they, they haven't even got to this first part yet. They're still concerned about whether or not God actually exists. And some of y'all may be here today. I don't even know if God, this whole God thing is real. And that's okay. God's big enough to handle that. You come with an open heart. You come up with an open mind. And God is going to show himself true to you. But we have to believe that he exists. And then that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. That, that God's not sitting there looking for us to put our faith in him. And then him just go, whoop. Pull the rug out from under us. Leave us high and dry. No, he rewards us. He rewards those. Who earnestly seek him. Well when we look at Hebrews chapter 11. There's just. It's just full of people. Who showed us what it means to live by faith. And today. We're just going to take a real quick glance. At what. At the life of Abraham. Now Abraham was willing. To follow God. Even when he did not know. The exact destination. I tell you what folks. This one is so huge. Because so many of us, we want all the details. I know I do. I want all the details on what's going on. Now Hebrews eleven eight says, By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place that he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Well, a lot of y'all know that I <clears throat> have been in ministry in San Angelo previously before we started this church and in 2008 we were gone and traveled around um, well it, those of y'all that know my wife know that she's not a super adventuresome person okay and uh, that's just not the way she's wired and uh, it, it's wonderful and she helps ground me and it's a beautiful thing and uh, when when God began to speak to my heart and tell me that what we were he was going to ask of us to do then, um, then I was honestly really concerned. And so we both knew and, and had spent some time praying and fasting together and they, that a significant change was coming up in our lives, but we didn't know what it was. And just in the middle of worship, just as I was just worshiping like we just did a little bit ago, that's worship is, is so important. And uh, just in the middle of it, there was no plan. And then all of a sudden there was a plan. I mean, it was just, it didn't evolve. It was just, boom, it was just dropped in my heart. And it was just one of the craziest things I'd ever heard of. And we were really rooted here and it owned some real estate and, and that stuff. And God told us to just sell everything and to travel around with our family and just to visit churches. And that he would then just <clears throat> lead us to where we were going to go. Well, man, I immediately, I mean, we had, there was no destination involved. We didn't know where we were going. And, man, I immediately went to prayer for my wife. I was like, God, if this is what you want, you're going to have to speak to this woman. Because I cannot pull the husband card on this deal. I cannot say, I'm the head of the home and this is what we're doing, dear. And you're just going to have to get on with it. She'd say, I hope you have fun on your trip. Do not come back here. And so, I mean, she just would, she just would not have gone on with it. And so I began to immediately pray for her. Why? Because uprooting and going without any kind of destination, uprooting our entire lives... How crazy. I mean, it just didn't make any sense. And I tell you what, man, when I went in and I caught her after that service, 
And I told her, I said, babe, I said, now I've, uh, I said, I've either heard God or I've just got some crazy idea. I said, I'm still praying on it. I said, but I'll talk to you after service. And, our, and I'll talk to you after church. And she said, no, you won't. You'll talk to me right now. And I said, okay. And I just dropped it on her real quick. I said, I think God wants us to sell everything and to travel around. And he wants us to visit different churches of different flavors, different denominations, all these different things, and let God grow in us the kind of church he wants us to lead. And uh, she's like, okay. Just had a stunned look on her face. And so we go into the next service, and I just spend all that time praying for her, that whole time praying. And uh, catch her after the next service. I said, baby, are you freaked out? She said, yeah, I'm freaked out. But I think it's God. I'm like, oh, that freaked me out. <laughs> like, oh, my gosh. This is, I thought this was going to take like a year for this woman to like get okay with it. And she was just okay with it. It was just this thing of faith that rose up into her heart that she was, she was willing to go. Now, she had to be trusting God. She had to be trusting God on this deal because she knows me. And she knows that she needs to be hearing God on this. Because she, she, we, we were in school and ministry. I shouldn't even be telling this story on myself. This is embarrassing. And so we were in school and ministry years and years ago, and there was this guy that was going through school and ministry with us. And uh, his name was Victor, and he couldn't see. He was blind. And so he had to be led around everywhere. And uh, so he would just grab you on the shoulder, and he would just walk around with you. And so we were, gonna, we were eating in one part of the building, and we were going back to the classrooms after the dinner part. And uh, there were some steps, and all of a sudden the hallway just gets real, a lot more narrow, all in this one spot. And Victor's on that wide side of me and i just come down the stairs and he's following me and the next thing i know bah, i hear this hit behind me and i look back i had run him right into the wall it was so sad it was so terrible i tell you what he was he was loving my wife just about never forgave me for that and so victor was so loving he had no problems at all but that's who she was choosing she was like Seriously? You're going to slap me into the wall, Clark? No, she heard God. She knew that she had known that she had heard God and moved forward into that. See, there are times that God, we don't have the whole picture. That we don't have the whole picture. Even while we were traveling, I was wanting the whole picture. And we end up at this other church and there's this, this guy that, that is, is uh, praying and he gets this, this word from God. That he feels like God has just spoken to him to speak to me. And he comes and he tells us together this, uh, this, this, this word, word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, like we talked about when we looked at the, the Holy Spirit series a few months back. And uh, he just begins to speak, and he said, you know what? You know, you're, you're on the right path. You're doing the right thing. And uh, God says he's not going to give you the whole picture because, honestly, you just you can't handle it all in one bite. And I was like, okay, okay. Abraham couldn't either. Abraham couldn't handle it all in one body either. God said, go, and he went. And folks, sometimes, sometimes in our lives, in our career, in different things, it's not that God wants us to check our brains at the door at all. It's not to live this mindless, blind faith. It's that we're going to go in the light that he's given us. We do this all the time. We turn our lights on at night, and we can see so far, and we drive in that light. We can't see all the way to our destination. But we drive in that light. Abraham drove in the light that he had. 
That's the life of faith. God speaks to you. You know the truth. You know what you're supposed to do on one level. You may not know the whole thing, but you drive in the light that God has given you. See, coming to follow Jesus is so vital. Matthew 4 says, come follow me. Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. And at once they left their nets and followed him. Matthew 9 and Jesus went on from there and saw a man named Matthew sitting at the, <coughs> at the tax collector's booth and said, follow me. He, <coughs> he told them, and Matthew got up and he followed him. But see, not everybody does it. That's why it's this step of faith. Not everybody did it. Because then we look at Luke chapter 9. He says, and he said to another man, follow me. Now, he's not given a whole bunch of you know, stuff. I, we're going to go this. Here's the itinerary. This is what's going to happen. Oh, yeah, there's gonna, I'm going to die gruesomely on the cross here. Uh, but that's okay. Here, I'm going to rise again. Here, I'm going to pe- speak to you. Here, I'm going to ascend to heaven. Here's where I'm going to send you to these other cities. It's okay. Here's the plan. He doesn't say that. He says, follow me. All of the disciples got that call. They didn't get the whole thing. They got that call. Not everybody said yes. He said, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first, let me go and bury my father. Sounds like a wonderful, noble thing. Maybe his dad's on his deathbed. Maybe his dad's not on his deathbed. He said, I just want to hang around until my dad dies and and be there for my family. Taking care of family is noble. The Bible tells us if you you don't care for your family, you're worse than an unbeliever. But but Jesus was asking him to come and follow him. That guy had to trust God with the rest of those details, with the rest of those important things. And Jesus responds, and it sounds cold. Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and, and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. If you're going to serve in the kingdom, if you're going to do things God's way, we're going to have to say yes to God and go with him and know that we're not going to leave a wake of hurt and pain behind us. That the loved ones we love, God loves them too. The things we care about, God cares about those things too. Abraham trusted God. In that way, Abraham also lived by faith in this world, but not of it. How, what, I tell you what, that is every believer's struggle. How do we live in this world knowing we're not of it? You get to one or two extremes. You either get people that are so focused on heaven, they want to get all kooky and weird and get holed up in some compound or commune and wait for Jesus to come back, and they're absolutely no good in the world. They're not spreading the gospel. They're not talking to anybody. They're all holed up. Or you get people who are so into the world that, yeah, they know Christ, but they're forgetting that they have an assignment, that they're not of this world, and they get trapped with the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. And we know from the parable of the seeds that it chokes out the produce of what that's supposed to bring. That it bears no fruit to maturity. So you have one or the other. You either get so wound up. Oh, my fancy shoes. My wife coming off. Um, so these, uh, they are fancy. Um, you have one or the other. You have these other extremes. But how on earth do we go from one of those to the other and actually live in this world being of kingdom good but not be of it? That is the struggle. That is our heart as a church. 
We want to, we want to have an impact. We don't want to be sealed up in some little glass jar that people can come and, and see, ooh, there's some church people in there. No, we want to be in it. That's why we're in a, in a neutral setting. And yeah, one day, well, this is the biggest theater. One day we'll outgrow this and we're going to have to have our own building. But even then, we want to create it in a fashion where some people will feel comfortable in it, where it feels like a place they'd go to anyways. Why? Because we, we're in this world, but we're not of it. We're not of that. Abraham understood this. See, let's look at verse 9 of Hebrews 11. It says, By faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents as did Isaac and Jacob who were heirs with him of the same promise. So there he is. He's been promised, but he's living as a foreigner. He's living in the promise and he's living in a foreigner. That's what we do. We have the promises of God that we live in every day that are ours. But we're, we're here in a foreign land. This isn't our home anymore, folks. We really belong in heaven. And I tell you what, anytime we begin to make this world our central place, man, it disappoints so much. It disappoints so much. It's like trying to you have the, somebody passes you the hors d'oeuvre platter and you think that's supposed to be your meal. You're like, man, that's just disappointing. No, it's just a taste. It's just to whet your appetite. The real deal comes later. Man, there are so many awesome, wonderful things that we can taste of heaven itself right here. The love that we have for each other, it is just a taste of how pure our love for each other will be in heaven. But if we get everything hang, hung up on, man, Rush just doesn't love me as good as he ought to love me. He got irritated with me and he, he snapped at me. He told me I was saying terrible, I need to be quiet. Quit wooting on the front row. He hurt my feelings. He didn't love me right. Well, now my life's bad because I thought he was a believer and he just didn't love me right. Well, guess what? The, the places where he does love me, that's, that, that's the expression of heaven itself. The places where it doesn't remind me that I'm not home yet. That's it. That's all it is. We get our happiness wound up here and it will, it will totally mess us up every time. But we sit there and we stay focused. That's why I love the whole thing of, well, we'll, we'll get to it in just a moment. <clears throat> Let's look at John chapter 17. It says, and they were not of this world, even as I'm not of this world. This is Jesus praying. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. You sent me into the world and I have sent them into the world. See, they're not of the world, but we've been sent into it. We're not of it, but we've been sent into it. We have to get up every morning and say, God, I thank you, Lord, this isn't where I'm destined to be forever. But while I'm here, how can I serve you? How can I love others? How can I represent you here? What little tastes of what you have in store for me can I be grateful for and can I fully get every little bit of flavor out of here? The sunsets, the beauty. There are so many things that are representative. Heaven isn't a completely foreign world from what we live in right now. It is a perfected world of what we live in right now. And there are things that will uh, give us tastes of it. And we can be of kingdom impact while we're here. But if we get so focused on this world, it will mess us up every time. Now, how did Abraham do it? How did Abraham walk the balance? Well, we find out here in verse 10. See, Abraham kept his, Abraham's faith kept him 
looking forward. You're going to find that every single person, what they are commended for was forward-looking. Every single one of them. They did not get distracted by whatever had happened or not. They stayed focused on the promise that God had for them. Every single one of them, all of them, stayed forward-looking. See, he says, for he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. That's why our questions are, where am I, Lord? Help pinpoint me. Man, it's tough. It's tough. You know, I, I'm one, I don't like to get on the scale. I don't, I don't like to look at different things. I don't like to examine every little thing unless I know it's going to be good. Unless I feel like my pants are a little lighter. Let me see what I weigh. Yeah, if my pants are a little tighter, I don't want to see that scale. I don't want to see anything like that. Why? Because we don't like to be located. We say, God, show me where I am and be honest with him. And they say, okay, God, here I am. Now, which way forward from here? That's the declaration of faith. That's the action. That's to say, God, you have more for me than this. Here I am. You love me where I am. How do I move forward? That was Abraham's attitude. He was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. There is a, a, a <clears throat> nonfiction book by a fiction writer I love. His name's Ted Decker. He's written a lot of great stuff that I just really enjoy. Boys up there, Ted Decker. That's right. And uh, anyways, but he wrote a book called The Slumber of Christianity. And it's a wonderful book. I've been through it multiple times. And it deals with this on keeping a taste of heaven in our mind that lets us honestly get the most out of this life here. Which whenever we forget a heaven that this world starts looking so nasty. It's not that we get, that we get so enamored with heaven and then this, when we really understand what God has in store for us. Maybe we can embrace the good that God even has for us here. He stayed looking forward. Hebrews 11, 13 through 16 says, All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. You start thinking about all the stuff that you left behind when you embrace Christ, you're going to have an opportunity to get back to it. It will present itself. So stay focused on what God has in front of you. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Abraham kept his eyes on the day. And I tell you what, nobody personifies this better than a bride. I've said it for years. Brides are just awesome at this. Man, you see a bride getting ready for the wedding day? I tell you what, everything is about that. Everything. They will spend ridiculous amounts of money on something that's just going to be used just for that short period of time. The grooms are like, what is the deal? You know, let's put this for a down payment on a house. You know, let's get a sports car, baby. Let's do something tangible. Not this dress you're going to wear one time. Not this cake that I'm going to get one piece of. Not rent this building. But why? Why does she do it? Why does she spend all these hours looking through all the dresses to pick the dress? Why do they do to get the right photographer, to get the right every piece of it down? 
They, she sacrifices, man. She won't eat every other time. She'll go for a second donut, man. She's getting married. No donuts at all. She does everything. Why? Because she doesn't want to be disappointed on that day. She is living for the day. I think that's why God calls us the bride of Christ and tells us that we are coming, that there will be a bride feast. You look all through the New Testament, it's referred to, especially in Revelations. We are the bride of Christ. Why? We should be living for that moment so that when I stand before Jesus on that day that I don't go, oh, why didn't I do that? Why didn't I invest that? Why did I waste that? Why didn't I put it over here? That's why, because we ought to live for the day. Live for it. It keeps us in perspective. Abraham kept his eyes forward. And then we see that Abraham, I've just got to turn this up. Abraham faced the facts and yet believed. I love this about Abraham, because I tell you what, I'm a hard one that has to face the facts. Man, I tell you what, the two first two people that got put on our board as a church are hardcore facts people. Man, they, I'm a raving optimist. And I, there are the other two people that are on my board are people who are just, this is the way it is. They're faith people, but they are, this is the way it is. And this is what we've got to do. Why? Because I'll get off in La La Land, in Brandon Land, cutie calls it, and just think, oh, everything's going to be okay. I'm telling you, I'm just, I just have to work to be pessimistic. And, and it's just, that's not always a good thing. And Abraham faced the facts and still believed. He faced it. He didn't ignore it. He faced it. <clears throat> By faith, Abraham went, sorry, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, she'd never had a baby, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had promised. He just like, God, you're right. You're faithful. Now let's look at here Romans 4. It says, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. Hope was against him. Hope wasn't even his ally anymore. Hope had, was now laughing in his face. And Abraham in hope believed and became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said, so shall your offspring be. And without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. That was faith. He looked forward to that baby being born. He looked forward to that baby being born. He was 100 years old. Sarah was like 90. She had never had a baby. It made no sense, but God had promised. Now, this promise had come back when he was in his 70s. And he stayed, and he stayed, and he stayed, and he stayed. And God was faithful and brought that baby at a point where everybody knew this wasn't a freak of nature thing. This was divine. God got all the glory. Abraham was also willing to trust God even when it seemed to be, things seemed to be going in the opposite direction from where he knew God was taking him. See, Abraham receives a, a son of promise. Okay? And God had said he had tried to have a son on his own. And that's how he, they ended up with Ishmael. Okay? And 
So God tells him, no, your generations, all of your seed, all of your, 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 the promised children that are coming from you, they're coming from Isaac. And then we have the moment when God says, okay, now I want you to take and I want you to sacrifice Isaac. Now, of course, this is the same God who detests human sacrifice. He hates it. That's why a bunch of people get annihilated in the Old Testament, which we'll, as we'll see as we read. Um, and here God tells him to do this, and Abraham trusted God. Why? Let's look at Hebrews 11. It says, By faith Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead, and figuratively speaking, he received Isaac back from the dead. Now, see, this sounds so cruel. Why would God do that? Why would God ask him that? This is vital, folks. That, this moment is vital. See, God was making a covenant with us, okay? He was bringing, he was making a covenant with humanity with his son, okay? Any covenant has to be equal exchange of gifts. It just has to be equal commitment. God needed a man to be willing to have it done in his heart. Remember, we already talked about that here in the New Testament, you know, that it took it that if you have lust in your heart, you've already committed it. If you've murdered in your heart, you're already guilty of it, whether you've done it or not. It's what happens in the heart that matters. Abraham went all the way where in his heart he was willing to give up Isaac knowing that God would, had promised that Isaac was not old enough to he hadn't had any kids yet. That, that Isaac was going to have children and had reckoned that God was going to just bring him back to life. And he went all the way to raise his hand. And it sounds so crazy and so barbaric and God stopped it. He said, you, you've done it. You've been fully willing. Stop that. There's the sheep in the thicket. Sacrifice that. It's done. And Abraham and his willingness gave God the opening to offer his son on our behalf. This moment was vital. They needed a man being willing to do the same thing. That's why this is so just. It's right that we're forgiven, folks. It's right. It is a beautiful, beautiful thing. See, Romans 5, 5 says, And hope does not disappoint us, because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. Hope doesn't disappoint. We can place our faith in Christ. We can place our faith in God. He is faithful. He is true to his word. He is true to his promises. That's why we read them. That's why we study them. Why? Because we can build our life on them. He is true. He is right. See, the life that God has, has for us must be lived by trusting him and trusting <clears throat> that he loves us and will do what he says he will do. This morning, I want everybody to bow your heads because there may be somebody in here who needs to embrace the life that is so rightly yours. Abraham, that's why he's called the father of our faith. He opened up the door for God to send Jesus. And Jesus was sacrificed. He did bleed. And his blood, like we talked about in communion, covers our sin. It is just, it's done. 
And so this morning, if you need to embrace that sacrifice, if you need to embrace that forgiveness that's yours, then I want you to just, there's nobody looking around. We have a quiet moment here. Just slip your hand up. And we're going to pray together. We're going to say, yes, God, I take it. I believe it and I take it right now. If that's you, just raise your hand. And we're going to pray together. Awesome. Awesome. Believers, will you repeat after me? Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for the blood of Christ. That it is right. That it brings me forgiveness. Today I choose to place my faith in you. You are faithful and just to forgive me. Today I am your covenant child. You've adopted me, and I've adopted you. I thank you for your love, and that you're going to change me from the inside out. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes, yes. If everyone would just stand up, I just want to pray a closing prayer over you. I know that a lot of y'all have some really big plans for this new year. It's still early in the year, folks. We've just come out of a week of fasting the previous week. I want to encourage you. Be willing to listen and take those steps that God has for you. Take the line from Abraham. Take the lead from him. You may not know where the whole thing goes. But drive in the light that you have. Go forth in the life that God has given you. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your goodness, your mercy that is here today. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that we're in this theater, Lord, that you've made room. Heavenly Father, Lord, we give you glory for the life that you've given each of us, Lord, and we just thank you for it. Lord, that we would, Lord, be focused on you, Heavenly Father, and be aware of heaven, Lord, so that we can live for the day. Lord, so we can stay focused on the day when we stay before you, Lord, and make our lives here count. We thank you that it's done by your spirit. It's not in our own strength, it's in your strength. And we thank you for that grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Y'all have a wonderful, wonderful week.